Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stress-Free JD podcast. My name is Amanda Bynum. I am an attorney and an educator, and I started this podcast to bring awareness to the issues surrounding attorney well-being and to discuss ideas on how to improve attorney wellness. I share my research and experience on improving my own well-being, but since I am not the only attorney in a very diverse profession, I also invite other lawyers to share their stories and insights on wellness. The audience of this podcast is growing, so I want to thank everyone for sharing the podcast and for taking the time to listen. It would be so helpful to spreading the word if you leave a written review in iTunes because that is one of the best ways to reach more people. And of course, share this episode with anyone you think might be interested. I am so excited about this week's Stress-Free JD interview. Shannon Montgomery is a solo practitioner running a virtual law firm servicing social media influencers after finding success by combining her passion for fitness with her law degree. Her dream job as a sports agent didn't work out, so she spent a few years as an associate, all while knowing it was not what she wanted to do. She shares her struggle to find her place in the law by working in a couple of firms that weren't a great fit and found a need in the market for her niche practice area. There is some great insight about how she built her business without mentors, how she set up her business, and an inside look at the day-to-day of a work-from-home solopreneur. We also talk about the importance of health and fitness and lessons learned from overdoing it, tips for time management and not feeling pressured to fit into the stereotypical lawyer role when there are so many different ways to practice and be happy in the law. But before I play the interview, I wanted to tell a quick story about how this relationship came about. Probably seven years ago, I made a connection with a woman who was working as a victim service representative at the county attorney's office while I was a public defender. We had mutual friends and only hung out in person a few times. We have only been connected via social media since then. She now runs a huge conference for fitness influencers with her husband. She's been following my journey through photography and law and education and now at this podcast, so she reached out to me to connect me with Shannon, and I am so glad that she did. I mention this now because connections and networking have been so important to me in all of my endeavors, law and non-law related. It's one of the things that has helped me to grow and to develop as a lawyer and especially as a person. So I really encourage you, especially young lawyers, to make connections and build relationships with people because you never know how they might serve you in the future. It was so much fun to chat with Shannon and to make a new friend. So without further ado, here is a stress-free JD interview with Shannon Montgomery. Can you tell me about your legal career prior to the Montgomery Law Firm? My first, I guess it wasn't a big firm, it was a mid-sized firm in West Palm. And we were sort of in-house counsel for a giant loan servicer. And we dealt with bankruptcies and foreclosures, mostly foreclosures, but there was some bankruptcy work in there. And I was there for a little over a year and it was not my favorite. (laughs) So I wanted to be a sports agent. So when I went to law school and when I was in law school, I spent my time getting sports experience. So I've worked with a lot of really cool sports agents in the past and I've worked with 
an arena football league team. And I've just, I have varied experience primarily in the sports world. And then I got out of law school and the agents that I had worked for, they kind of went radio silence on me. And then it was like, okay, well now I have to figure something else out. And since I didn't get any sort of litigation or, you know, clerking experience when I was in law school, I struggled to find something doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I kind of just took the job that I could find and it just happened to be in foreclosures. But because it was so far off of what I wanted to be doing, it was a struggle. And eventually I moved on from that job and I got to work. My last firm that I was at was sort of in civil litigation and that was a little bit better. I had more client exposure. I wasn't working for one big client and I was in court and I was able to sort of do more lawyer-like things, but it wasn't, it still wasn't the area of law that I wanted to be in. And so after I left that is kind of when I started my own thing. I know that those first couple of years can be the hardest for young lawyers. What was that experience like being an associate in a firm? Did you feel stressed? Did you feel well at that time? I am lucky that I have always had some sort of a fitness background and I maintained that. And even throughout law school, I took it sort of in a terrible direction in law school, but you know, fitness was still part of my life. So when I was working as an associate, that was honestly what saved me. I actually started competing in bodybuilding. So I was a bikini athlete and then a figure athlete and in powerlifting, right in, I guess, 2014. So right around the time that I was working in that job. And if it wasn't for that outlet, I don't know what I would have done with myself, to be completely honest, because it was at times you know, the stress is maximum, but then it was also such an internal struggle with this isn't even close to what I want to be doing. It's not fun. The work isn't exciting. It's not even that challenging. It's just a lot. And so I was as well as I could be, but if I did not have that fitness lifestyle and that hobby, I don't think I would have even survive. I think I would have quit law altogether. And I almost did. Honestly, in between those two jobs, I worked at a gym and I worked there for a lot longer than I should have. But because I, I was over it, I was so done with being a lawyer after my, a year and a half in, you know, you were thinking about leaving and just going into fitness all together. Mm -hmm. I was just going to do it a hundred percent and train and try and figure out how to be an online coach and do all of those things that a lot of people do now, but yeah, right. It's a lot more popular now than it was in 2014. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have a side, like that side hustle as a personal trainer while you were still working in a firm? So I worked at LA fitness. I kept working there on nights and weekends for a little while for basically as long as I could, just because, you know, after a while it gets too hard to maintain having that job. And then the online training thing, never really took off for me. Mm -hmm. I had a few clients online and they were manageable and I kept them. But then what I realized along the way was that I'm not a great, I'm not a great coach and I wish I was, but I'm not a great coach or a great trainer because I am very, I'm very, I don't want to say motivated, but I'm very goal oriented. And so when I get a training plan or a nutrition plan, or I have a goal in mind, there's, there's literally nothing that's going to change my mind or keep yeah. me from doing that. And regular clients, you know, that are just at an LA fitness and they're just kind of looking to, they think they want to get in shape or what have you. 
but then they don't put forth the same amount of effort as they need to. Um, I, I get frustrated and it's not their fault. You know, they're not. So then I had a hard time being able to convey my problem. It's not their problem. It's my problem. My problem is I don't know how to motivate somebody who's not already internally motivated because I'm so internally motivated. So I realized me and personal training and coaching was probably not the best fit. Yeah. Well, you've had quite the journey in sort of like finding yourself and what your perfect match is. And I do want to talk about your new job because it's amazing, but I want to ask a couple of follow-up questions. I'm interested in when you started doing figure competitions and powerlifting while you're working in this firm, did your firm know about it? And like, how did they feel about you doing this other hobby that takes up a lot of your time? So my direct boss, he knew because the first time I was prepping, obviously you start losing a lot of weight. Yeah. Can't eat any. They had, they tried to give us like a decent firm culture and, you know, to them that was having food in the break room and things like that. And I wouldn't be able to join in or I would be in the room, but I wouldn't be eating. So of course I would get questions about it. Nobody ever told me that I shouldn't. I was asked if I thought it was something that was taking away too much of my time or attention. And how did you handle that? How did you explain like that this is actually something that makes you a better attorney? I pretty much just (laughs) in so few words explained that if it if I didn't have this outlet and if I wasn't allowed to do these competitions and, you know, focus on that at least partially that I was not going to be a good employee because essentially because my time, my free time was taken up with this other goal. When I was at work, I was at work because I knew I couldn't go home and finish whatever it was I needed to finish because I needed to go home and meal prep or train or whatever. So I was honestly probably a way more productive um, because I knew that the time constraints that I had. And so I think after a while they were able to see that and it wasn't too big of a deal, but any other place I can only imagine that would not have been the most supportive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually like did a wedding photography business for a couple of years while I was a public defender And I totally relate with that idea that because I was so busy all of the time, I had to really stay on task. And I do think that it made me a better lawyer and more productive while I was at work. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hard for like older lawyers or like partners and stuff to understand that because it's so different from what's expected a lot of times. Say, I think I'm still the same way. I mean, even though I work for myself now, if I don't have a plate full, then it takes me way longer to get the three things that I have to get done, done. Yeah. But if I'm 30 things, I get them all done, you know, and no. Yeah. I was telling my law students this. They say that if you have eight hours to clean your house, it's going to take you eight hours. But if you have mm-hmm. until noon to clean your house, you're still going to get your house clean. So yeah. I just think that's interesting. We're going to fill the time that we have to get stuff done. Exactly. I also wanted to follow up because you said something that was intriguing to me because I do work with law students. You said that you have always been into fitness, but in law school, it kind of went in a bad direction. And I think law school can be really hard for people. So I'd like to hear more about that. Okay. So I got very extreme with my dieting and just the amount I was exercising because law school is so stressful. And I don't know, you know, looking back, I can tell that it was a result of just the constant pressure and stress that you put, not only that you put on yourself, that your family puts on you, that the school puts on you. And just the idea of having to take one giant exam when it's all over and 
or else this three years is a waste. And it all just compounded. And the only thing that I could control was the amount of food going into my body and the amount of time I spent exercising. Right. So I would run eight miles a day. I would run four before a lit, before a workout, then I would work out and then I would run four more. And if I didn't get those four in before or after, I felt totally out of control. And I lost a lot of weight. I wouldn't say that I was, I had an eating disorder. I had disordered eating habits. I would eat like 800 calories a day. And then on weekends, I would let myself eat whatever I wanted. And so then I would essentially binge eat and but I wasn't binge eating. I was just very hungry because I wasn't eating during the week. And so, yeah, it just really kind of took a turn and I didn't even realize it was happening until everything, literally everything settled down. I took the bar exam and then there was nothing but waiting, waiting and kind of looking for a job. Then I realized how destructive the behavior that I was doing was. Yeah. And it was like, a really big wake up call for me. I, I saw a picture of myself too um, on like the 4th of July right there when I was like studying for the bar. And I just couldn't believe how thin I looked because I really had always wanted to be strong and muscular and, and I looked very thin and I didn't yeah. like it. And I was like, Oh, I need to figure out what's going on here. Why am I acting this way? Why am I so concerned with how many miles I'm running and how many calories I'm eating and, you know, address what's going on in my life. I don't, I don't say I love, I did not love law school and I don't blame law school. We put so much pressure on ourselves. It comes with a profession, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's go back to kind of talking about your career. So you were um, in the civil litigation firm, but it wasn't exactly what you had in mind. You decided to go into business for yourself. So let's hear about how that came about and what you do now. I feel like I got very lucky because I, like I said, I never wanted to be a lawyer. So, and I think I'm different than a lot of attorneys and that I never felt pressure to become a partner or work in big law or do something that most people assume you're going to do when you're a lawyer, which is lucky for me. I felt pressure to obviously get a very good job and be very successful, but I, my version of success is not your typical lawyer's version of success. So going into business for myself seemed like the appropriate thing to do after I was at my last firm and realized that the, the kind of clients I wanted to work with and the kind of work I wanted to do wasn't going to be supported by the firm. And my last firm is actually wonderful. I loved my boss. I loved the people I worked with. They were a very, I would say a rare, a rarity for firms in the way that they treat their employees and in the culture and things like that a lot better than some stories I've heard. So yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the firm itself. It was just the work wasn't again, you know, it wasn't lighting me up. And since I didn't care to ever become partner, I thought going out on my own seems like a great idea. Um, I have my personal Instagram page is lifting lawyer. And I started getting messages from um, influencers and just different people asking me questions about like sponsorship agreements or, you know, different intellectual property issues and just contract things. And, you know, sometimes I could help them. Sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes I would have to say, you know, I'm not licensed in your jurisdiction, but here's where you could go to find somebody or let me see if I know somebody. And then I, it kind of dawned on me that there was an opening kind of, or a hole really in the marketplace for all of these people who are online, who have grown massive followings and they 
don't have anybody in their corner while they're building businesses and doing deals and things like that. And so essentially I got my first, the first influencer that was like, Hey, yeah, no, I'll, I'll pay you to be my lawyer. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm starting my own business. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I mentioned the photography business and I kind of felt some of that same thing when I was a wedding photographer and also a lawyer, it was like, everyone was messaging me and being like, um, can you look at my contract or what do I do for this? And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm a public defender. Like I'm not a contracts lawyer, but I definitely thought about it and thought, Oh, maybe I should start doing this since I know the language of what the photographers are doing. It mm-hmm. made sense. You know, and I obviously took a different path and went into academia, but I think that's genius to like really find the thing that you're passionate about and run with it. So I wanted to know, like, was it scary going on your own? Did you have support financially of kind of all the things that go along with that. It was very, very scary. (laughs) Very exciting though. It was one of those things that I thought about it every single day for a year, probably. Mm -hmm. And there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the lawyerist community at all, but they have a podcast. Yeah. So their podcast, I would listen to it. I would have to, I used to drive a ton all over the state of Florida for my last job to go to different hearings and things. And so I'd spend hours in the car And I would listen to their episodes and listen to all these lawyers doing all these really cool things. And every single night I would just sit there and be in bed, like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. But it, I mean, it took me a long time to really, you know, pull the trigger. I had financially enough to float me for a little while. I wouldn't say I had this massive savings account. So financially it may have, some people probably would have looked at my account and been like, this is a terrible idea. Don't Mm -hmm. do this. But I figured I'm not getting a raise this year, so let's just go ahead and do it. Or if I do get a raise, it's not going to be enough to save and continue to put away. And it's not, the raise isn't worth another year of my life, basically. Yeah. I got everything in order. I did the research. I said, you know, what's, what's the structure that I need to be? What, what do I need to do for all this silly stuff? You know, the trust accounts and how do you do all of that? I did all the nitty gritty stuff and I got a good base on that. I built a little website. And then, you know, I just, I put in my notice at my firm and then I started in January, well, kind of like February. I started telling people, okay, now here I have my own firm. Um, Here's what I do. Here's how you can find me. I didn't have a lot of support from my family and I still, to this day, they still, my mom will ask me questions like, well, when are you going to get a real job? (laughs) Um, Because they're, you know, they're old school They're And nobody in my family was ever there. None of them are lawyers. My dad was actually a police officer. My mom was a stay at home mom and they're used to security. They're used to having, I mean, my dad's pension from the city was insane, you know? And so to them, me going out on my own is too dangerous and it, you know, it scares them and I get that. And I know that they're just coming from a place of love, but they, they aren't fully supportive. They are shocked every month when I am not begging them to pay my bills, <laughs> but they're like, Oh, do you need anything? I'm like, I, no, I am an adult yeah. who has a business. That's the whole, I'm actually financially sound. Thank you very much. Like, I don't know why you guys expect me to drown. And I keep telling them like every firm starts somewhere, you know, these, these big and, you know, mid-sized firms didn't start off mid-sized. They started with one or two people who got together and decided they wanted to do something on their own, you know, and now here they are. So it wasn't the easiest decision, but at the same time, it was in my gut what I knew I needed to do. And so, like I said earlier, when I decide, when I make a decision to do something, 
I am going to stop at nothing until that's accomplished, even if it takes me, you know, three years. Yeah. Do you have an office or are you all, do you work from home? I work from home. I'm virtual. I'm lucky. Florida is wonderful and there you're allowed to have virtual offices and so is California. So I got licensed in California in 2017. I took the bar. Um, and you passed, which is saying a lot I, in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was shocked. To be completely honest, I was, I was shocked, like very shocked that I passed because everyone was telling me about the dismal passage rate and you know, but I was like, well, I'm just going to try it anyway. I have a couple potential clients, a lot of potential clients in California. So I, I might as well just try. And then I passed luckily, but so both states are great. They let you have virtual firms. I work out of my house. So my overhead is pretty low. You know, I have software that I need. So I pay a low monthly rate for case management software and things like that. But I mean, my overhead is minimal and because I can work from home and my clients being who they are, they don't expect me to have an office. They don't expect to be able to meet me. Sometimes they FaceTime me and ask like as much, you know, face-to-face communication as they want. Um, most of my clients communicate via email and it works out pretty well. Yeah, it's it, this is actually really timely because just yesterday I did a presentation for my local bar association and they were really interested in like how the profession is changing. And I used like, um, some examples, not not your business particularly, but just of sort of these things where people from all over can get advice from a lawyer. Things like, you know, I think there's another lawyer that represents social media influencers that has like a subscription service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that the profession is changing really fast. It sounds like you're ahead of the curve on that. Well, um, a little bit, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does your day to day look like? Since I'm pretty regimented, I'm up by 5.30 every day. Generally, I go work out before the day really gets started if I can, just because then clients aren't bugging me or needing things from me. Um, And then, you know, once I get home, it is, I sit down and I just kind of take care of whatever's on the list for that day. I usually like to spend, you know, the first hour of my day going through emails, answering emails, and making sure everybody has either what they need or I've sent out what I need to get back in order to do the rest of the work I need to get done. Um, so I'll do that in the mornings. And then, you know, I work on a lot of um, trademark applications. So if I have an application to work on, I'll do that or office actions. I answer those kinds of things. If I'm drafting something, I time block everything yeah. so that I can, you know, be the most productive and I am more creative in the mornings. So if I'm drafting a contract, I usually like to do that you know, first, as soon as the emails are done, set aside the time to do work on the contracts. Or if I need to answer an office action that requires, you know, some legal arguments and getting kind of crafty, I'll do something like that. And then the end of the day, I like to do the little stuff, you know, the administrative tasks, because I'm a true solo right now. Any kind of administrative thing, whether it's finance, or if I need to get some other emails out or renew some kind of subscription or do some sort of social media for my business, you know, I kind of plan that kind of stuff for the end of the day that takes a little bit less brain power. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I start all over again the next day. Well, you came from a couple of different firms. Did you have like mentors or anyone that helped to guide you as you were going through this process of setting up your own firm and like having to do everything on your own? So I worked closely actually with the lawyerist. Um, they do have a program and they keep 
changing the name of it. So they're going to kill me for not knowing, um, <laughs> but they have this, this thing called lawyer's lab actually is what it was called when I was in it. And it's set up as a way to kind of help you. It's really for anybody that's a solo or small firm attorney, but it is very, very beneficial if you're just starting out. Um, and they give you the tools and the resources you need, which thankfully, because without them, I didn't have any other mentors. I didn't have, I mean, my attorney network are all my friends and all my friends work in large firms. Yeah. So they didn't have any advice for me. So without them, I would have been a little lost duck for sure. And it was a year long program, thankfully. And they just help you. And I, I still have, I still say I have homework to do from it. Um, but they really help you get the systems and the processes going. And then they help you if you have questions or if you need someone to bounce ideas off of, there's, you know, they're there and they're a resource. And it was, for me, it was wildly helpful. And so, you know, I don't think everybody needs to go through something like that, but you definitely need a mentor or somebody who's done it before yeah. so that they can tell you, you know, beware of this or have this system in place, or here's how you can use technology to make this faster and easier. So yeah, I definitely had help. That's for sure. That's a good resource. I was not aware of that. And I, I think that there are a lot of young lawyers that may be thinking of going on their own. So I think that's a really good resource that you shared. Yeah, you went from civil litigation in your second firm, did bankruptcy and foreclosures, and now you're doing like IP and trademarks. So you kind of had mm -hmm. to learn a whole new area also. Steep learning curve. Yeah, I did. So I, I took a course actually um, for that as well. So I, because I like to learn anyways. I got a ton of IP experience working in sports. That was the main chunk of what I did when I was working, when I interned at, and I entered, well, technically see a creative artist agency, but I interned with one of their agents in Memphis, Tennessee. And I dealt mostly with the IP aspect and then the contract aspect for a lot of their clients. He has an attorney in his office. And so that's who I worked with on all that stuff. So I had, a good idea and a foundation, but I had never obviously done it in practice. So then I took a course that is for lawyers, you know, teaching you what to look for, how to do things. And then through that course, it opened me up to even more mentors. So now I have a whole group of other small firm IP attorneys. Um, and it's actually really nice because even though we're all small solo attorneys and we all do the same thing, they're everyone's so welcoming and so really just trying to help each other out because they all have that, you know, abundance mindset that there's plenty of clients out there for everybody. And some of them are niched down and some, you know, some people take clients and who do anything. And like, for me, I try to stay in my niche as far as fitness clients go. I'll take on clients who aren't necessarily in the fitness business, but I try to stick to health and fitness clients. It was definitely a learning curve, but this is the one thing that I think attorneys, and I see this in my friends a lot, they think that they're stuck in whatever area it is they've been practicing in and they can never change or pivot. And so if they hate it, it's too bad. They've been there for four years or five years and they're stuck. And I just don't agree with that because I, there's no other profession. I mean, maybe surgeons, obviously they're going to stay surgeons forever um, and doctors kind of pick their thing, but they also have a lot more training in order to decide if they like that thing that they're going to pick for the rest of their life. Whereas in law school, you kind of learn it all. And then you get pigeonholed into something your third year of law school, wherever you summer and you know, wherever you were an intern at. And I just think that's really unfair because that's 
first of all, you're, you're assuming that we're all so stupid that we can't learn something new <laughs> and like, you don't want anybody to be able to take a chance on themselves. I don't know. So it's frustrating to me. So when I wanted to add that as a practice area, I was like, I just got to find something, some, somebody to teach me how to do it. And that's what I did. So <laughs> you, you've talked a lot about fitness and you're, you do weight training, figure competitions, powerlifting. And I know that that is a component of wellness, fitness and health, but how do you define well-being? I think first and foremost, your mental health is the most important. And if you're not sure where you are mentally, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. Well-being to me is being in a mindset that is, you know, we're all going to be stressed. We're all going to have anxiety about different things. Life is hard. It's not easy thing. Otherwise, we would probably have no problems. We wouldn't need lawyers if life was easy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but knowing that and then giving yourself the skills and giving yourself the ability to address, you know, different mental health issues is super, super important. So for me, you know, I'm learning to meditate and learning to check in with myself. Because like I mentioned, you know, in law school, when I got a little crazy with fitness, I was not mentally totally checked out. I was not in tune with my body or how I felt or what was going on, or, you know, I couldn't manage my stress. I was managing it in extremely destructive ways. So in order to avoid ever doing that again, I try to make sure that I'm just constantly tucking in, um, meditating when I can, doing things that bring me joy that have nothing to do with work or being productive or, you know, I'm mostly being productive because I know that, especially as attorneys, we feel like if we're not producing every second of every day, then we're wasteful. But that's just, I mean, that's just so wrong. Mentally, being as healthy as you can mentally. And then the other part of wellness for me is physically. Obviously, I love the gym. I love working out. I love weightlifting. I've been that way since I was 15 years old. My dad took me to a gym and then the rest is history. But whatever that looks like from a physical standpoint, you know, maybe your thing's yoga or if you're a runner or you like to climb or ride your bike, having that as a, as a component of your, if not every single day, every week of your life, you know, staying active and moving. And then of course, nutrition, feeding your body with good, wholesome food, real food, super important. Um, but those are probably my three pillars of wellness. Yeah. And I mean, all that stuff is scientifically proven to help with cognition and all of those things mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm sure you've heard this before. I hear lawyers all the time saying like, well, I'm too busy. I don't have time to fit in fitness or I don't, ha I have to like eat McDonald's because I don't have time to sit down and make a meal. I don't have time to go to the gym or have this hobby. What would you say to those people? So this is why I was not a good coach because I say you're wrong uh, <laughs> and that's mean and harsh, but you find the time for the things that you actually care about. You can prioritize something, especially if it, okay, fitness. Do you have to work out six days a week? Absolutely not. Can you do something active three days a week? Probably, you can probably take a, a 15 minute walk after dinner yeah. or around your office. If you're in your office late at night, which you probably shouldn't be, there's your first problem. Tell your boss no. <laughs> go home. This isn't brain surgery. You're not curing cancer. No offense. Make the time and set 
realistic expectations for yourself, and then you will be able to make the time. When you're overwhelmed and when it seems like every single meal has to be homemade and I have to, I can't meal prep because I don't have time to make lunch for five days of the week and I don't have time to make dinner for every single night. I'm going to be in the office and okay, understood. So try to make three healthy lunches to bring to the office and three healthy dinners to have when you get home. And then the other meals you can kind of eat out like you normally would. And then maybe when you're eating out, make a better choice. Don't overwhelm yourself with thinking that it's an all or nothing thing. It's not. The little things absolutely add up. So start integrating small things that you can, and then you'll see, okay, I do have time to take that 10 minute walk three days a week. Great. Then you accomplish that. And then I think part of it is when you start accomplishing those little goals, you kind of fall in love with the process of getting better, getting healthier. and So you'll want to add more things to your list. You're going to want to eat healthier or add in a different activity or, you know, maybe on Sundays, instead of worrying about cleaning your house that you didn't get to clean that week because you were so busy, maybe instead you're going to go to the gym or you're going to go to the beach and take a swim or, you know, let yourself kind of enjoy your time instead of worrying about these things that you quote unquote have to get done because at the end of the day, if you're unhealthy, you're probably going to die sooner than you would. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree a hundred percent with everything you're saying, because I just started working out a year and a half ago. And I think that a lot of people don't stick with it long enough to start seeing those positive effects. Oh, this is great. So if I add this, I'm going to feel better. And you get that constant reward. I am so internally motivated. I don't have days where I don't want to work out. I have days where I'm tired or where my body hurts or I'm sore, but I cannot recall a day where it was like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. Maybe like, oh, going to the gym today is going to be an inconvenience, but thank goodness I get to go. Yeah. And I always feel like if I don't go to the gym, like I feel crappy. If I don't do this thing that's making, you know, burning off stress and creating Mm -hmm. endorphins, you end up regretting it. Yeah. And I think for, particularly for lawyers, since I think we are very goal oriented and we work well with like actually achieving and accomplishing things. If you set a long-term goal, even if it's small, but you say, okay, I'm going to exercise two days a week for six months. By the time you get to that six months, you're, you'll be well past the point of when you wanted to quit. I think, I mean, I don't know what the, they say what, 60 days to form a habit or some 90 days or something like that. Yeah, I've heard all kinds so, of stuff. I know that 21 days is not it. Like, <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, it's really simple. If you think about it, put it, put it into numbers and say, okay, how long is it going to take me to get over that hump? And then just do it, do it for your health. Like do it for yourself. Don't do it for anybody else. Don't do it because you want to look a certain way. Do it because your, your body needs you to do it or right. you will not live that long. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that should be the motivating factor is like, improve your overall quality of life and improve the length of life so that you can continue doing all this work that you love doing so much, you know? Yeah. You talked a little bit about sort of like how your poor uh, stress management skills in law school and that you've, you know, you overcame that. Have you ever had to help or advise a friend or another attorney that was suffering from mental health or substance abuse issues or just not being balanced? I talked to a lot of friends about balance. I don't think 
in my closest circle, I don't know too many attorneys or at least not too many attorneys who are open if they are struggling, which, you know, we always encourage each other to be open. So I would hope that if there is an issue that, you know, they would feel like they could talk to me about it, but balance, because people do ask me all the time. And I'm going to be completely honest. Part of the reason why I thought going out on my own would be so great is because I would be in control of my time. And that is a huge factor for me. I value time and my time more than I value anything else in my life. So I have that luxury of controlling my schedule. For people who don't have that luxury, it's obviously a lot more difficult. And I have one friend in particular that I can think about who works every weekend. Yeah. And then, you know, she doesn't get that much vacation time. And so she's constantly stressed and constantly tired and run down and we've had plenty of discussions and not to the point of where she is at the point, you know, she might have to find a new job just because she can't keep going in that direction. You know, it's just not feasible. I don't know why. I'm not sure why older attorneys or partners don't see that. They don't see that that's not a valuable, you know, <laughs> like, why. but I mean, the ABA <laughs> task force report, it reports lack of candor and lack of autonomy support as being like one of the biggest issues contributing mm -hmm. problems with well-being in the profession and yeah so, and I, I mean people are so afraid to talk about when they're not when they're tired or when they feel overworked and i think that's so silly like you feel you feel overworked and undervalued across the board that's everyone's biggest complaint yeah, well, it's because we're supposed to be helping people, right? And so I think that it's so hard to admit that we might be struggling or to admit that your associate might be struggling and might need a break, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to have problems, which is just wrong all around. Right. Well, and they, don't they always say that you can't, first of all, you can't be the best version of yourself if you're not healthy and you cannot, a thousand percent cannot help somebody else if you are running at 50%. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. There was an article in my bar, like my state bar magazine uh, from a couple years back. And there was like a big quote, took up half the page that said something like, if I see an attorney who is like overweight, miserable, and uh, I mean, just a bunch of things like not well, then I don't think they're a competent attorney. And I, I mean, I put that slide up at CLEs and it gets a lot of attention and conversation because I think mm -hmm. there is something to be said to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, if you think about it, it may be the wrong thing to do, but when you first, at first glance, when you see somebody and you perceive who they are, if they seem unwell, are you going to trust whatever service it is they're providing for you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I think it's important. I hope, I sincerely hope that the profession understands the importance a balanced, and I, I obviously balanced is a relative term, but the importance of allowing lawyers to find what works for them and to work in different ways. Like for example, like do you have to be in your office at 9 p.m. to finish up whatever it is you're working on? Probably not. You right. probably can take that home, go home, make a good meal, and then if you have to, you can get back to whatever it is you were doing that was in your office. I, I just hope that people can start talking about what it is you act, what people actually need. And it's obviously going to be different for every individual, but, and to not be afraid to say, 
I, I need X, Y, Z to feel good and to be healthy and to not feel like judgment. I, Cause I, I, for one, feel a lot of judgment from the profession, just being a solo attorney as it is, you know, when I meet attorneys who are, who work for medium or big size firms are like, Oh, okay. You're a solo. And I'm like, yeah. no, I want, I want to be a solo. I think you're the crazy person because you work 90 hours a week and I don't have to, like, if I don't want to, if I want to, great. If I don't, I don't. I just hope that the ju- we can drop the judgment. We can understand that everybody's different and that health and well-being and mental health is actually the utmost important thing we should be concerned about because we cannot possibly provide a good service to any of our clients when, you know, like I said, when we're running at 50%. And I would really just encourage, especially young lawyers, to not fall victim to the pressures of the profession and to really seek out what it is that you want to do and what's going to make you happy. Because I wanted to be a sports agent. I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I had this whole idea in my head of what my life was going to look like. And it looks completely different than that. But I'm thankful and so grateful at, for where I'm at now, but I don't think I would have had the guts to go out on my own if I had thought that the only way was to be a partner and to work in big law and to, you know, stay that route. There's a lot of different ways to be happy in the law. So many ways. And there are so many cool now. I mean, there's so many lawyers doing so much cool stuff now that it's like mind blowing. And so I honestly don't even, when I meet a lawyer who's very, very traditional. I hate to say it, but I kind of just, I'm like, okay, you're not, you're not for me. Like you're not my kind of person (laughs) because there's so many cool things going on in the legal industry that don't have anything to do with being, you know, Mr. I don't know how many hours do you have to bill? How many hours? I don't know. I never had to bill hours because I was a criminal lawyer. So we didn't do that. Oh yeah. See, and I don't, I work on flat fee. I do flat fee everything. There's so many cool things going on in the legal world that it's like, don't do what I did and get disenfranchised with the profession. Just try and find your own path and find a path that's going to serve you so that you can serve your client base. Yeah. It's interesting because I have people slotted to do these interviews through like December. Like I'm doing about an interview every Mm -hmm. week and a lot of people that I chose because I chose people who I thought were well, well lawyers are people that have done alternative legal careers, you know, or left the law completely. So I like having your perspective where you weren't happy, but you still are practicing law in a way that is perfect for you and turning your passion into a business that is sustainable and that you are happy and balanced with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it took a while. I I feel (laughs) like I went on like a very roundabout way to get here but I'm happy. I really am. And it's shocking every day I wake up and I'm like, wow, I am really happy. This is crazy. <laughs> like, I have my own business and I'm a lawyer and I never wanted to be and it's okay. Yeah. Oh, right. You know, like it's good. wild, but yeah, good for you. That's exciting. Yeah. It's good. If you get to do what you, you know, the work that you want, that's going to be the key. So I, and I always tell people when they ask me about, you know, if they should go to law school, I say, do you know exactly what you want to do? If you don't, then probably don't go to law school because you'll end up like me and you'll spend six years trying to figure it out, you know, before you actually get there and you'll go through hell and back to try and figure <laughs> it out. But you know, I'm sure all that hell made you a much better lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably, but you know, I don't know. I just feel like if you know what you want to do or the kind of people you want to work with or the people you want to serve, 
that gives you a much better direction than I want the corner office in the big salary. Yeah. You know, I agree. So that's just my two cents. <laughs> I agree. No, this is wonderful. But I hope that we can stay connected through social media and otherwise. And just, I really appreciate that you took the time to talk with me. Thank you so much. This was a treat, more yeah. a treat for me than you even know. You want to like tell people about your website so they can go check it out? Yeah. My firm is Montgomery Law PLLC. My website is actually just montgomerypllc.com. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Montgomery Law PLLC as well. Wow. I just loved that this interview was sort of like a blind date because we had only messaged back and forth a few times on Instagram before talking. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Shannon's story as much as I did. I loved hearing about how she found her own place in the law by combining her passion for fitness with her law degree. I would love to hear your feedback and ideas for future episodes. I am stress-free JD pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am Amanda Bynum on LinkedIn. Until next time, focus on thriving rather than just surviving in the law.